1: All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Happy hump day. Okay, so over a thousand cases again Mm -hmm, yesterday, mm -hmm. troubling numbers and more people in hospital. And it's interesting to look at the demographic breakdowns of who's in hospital and the ages. And let's have a listen to Dr. Bonnie Henry here yesterday talking about how the demographics in hospital is changing here. Have a listen.
0: Cases have surged and people are having a much higher number of contacts, and that has meant increased numbers of people in hospital, and we know that much of this transmission is happening in younger people. So that means numbers of younger people in hospital has increased, and numbers of younger people needing ICU care has increased, and that is concerning. Okay, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, uh, this has been sort of a new phenomenon for the last couple of weeks. Doctor, frontline doctors we've talked to at Royal Columbia and Lionsgate saying, are saying they are seeing an uptick, not a huge uptick, but a, nevertheless a noticeable increase in the number of young people. And by that, we're talking mostly people in their 30s uh, and 40s, not less so in the 20s, but being coming into hospital, um, not necessarily in more numbers than what we've seen before, but with more severe illness, and they're being put into ICUs at a greater rate than they were a few weeks ago. And this may be the result of the variants taking hold, the P1 variant in particular, which is now uh, linked to so many cases in Whistler and on the west side of Vancouver of young people who were, went to Whistler, uh, came back, and are now uh, in hospital. Of greater numbers. We've had 33 more people in the last five days in hospital. 17 more people in ICUs, at least. I mean, they go, they go in and out, so it's probably even more than that. How does
1: that compare as a surge over a few days during the entire?
2: That's noticeable. Space. Yeah. You know, you know, we were we we track the hospitalizations in ICUs every day. We had 17 in four days, which was significant. Uh, now, we're not where we're at in Ontario or Alberta on this, but nevertheless, we're tracking towards that. And that's why it's so alarming right now. Tomorrow, I'm understanding, we're going to, our briefing from Dr. Vani Henry, Health Minister, Agent Dix, is going to focus on sort of more granular data associated with hospitalizations, exactly who is in hospital, who, what, what the recent uh, trend lines have been, and what role variants play in terms of who goes into it, ICUs.
1: Is it in some ways logical that we're seeing a higher preponderance of young people in in hospital right now given that the older population has largely received a first dose of the vaccine so they'd be less likely to get severely well, ill well
2: on, on a percentage basis the yeah. uh, that that does change because you have uh, fewer older people uh, dying and being in the hospital yeah. but the number of people young people continues to be steady in terms of who's going in to a hospital doesn't so as older people become protected doesn't mean younger people are suddenly uh, surging in numbers
1: uh, themselves but what we're seeing is more severe illness amongst young people uh in in terms are they typically of going to ICUs typically people younger people getting sick is is a troubling thought are are they people typically with comorbidities that no. end up sick Uh, Or can you have like perfectly robust, healthy young people that are. Take a look at the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. Well, none of them are in hospital, are they?
2: No, but you have a lot of them, a lot of them have tested positive. So 41% of the cases uh, have consistently since August have been people between the age of 20 and 40. The number of hospitalizations has remained steady uh, since then as well; it hasn't really gone up or down. But the number of kids in the, or people, not kids, people in the low in their thirties primarily and forties going into ICU is now starting to increase, and that has physicians uh, very concerned.
1: Okay, you mentioned other provinces where we're seeing really bad surges as well, notably Ontario. And Ontario right now bracing for potential lockdown measures set to be announced by the Doug Ford government. Here could be a stay-at-home order. Yeah, is expected schools shut down and some people are looking at the numbers in british columbia and saying we should go to a stricter lockdown too we hear some calls for people to shut down the schools have a listen to this this is Rani sangara from the surrey district parent advisory council so this is representing parents in the surrey school district saying listen you maybe shut the schools down have a listen
0: cases have never been this high so everything needs to just stop for a bit schools need to be closed everything needs to go online
1: Okay, but despite that, Dr. Henry yesterday yeah, continuing so to insist schools are, will stay open and schools are safe. Here's Dr. Bonnie Henry yesterday.
0: Cases go up when children are not in school and that the downside impacts on families is, uh, is immense. So we need to find that way of safely keeping children in school so that we can protect our communities.
1: Okay, it was interesting to hear her talk about kids getting sick and getting, getting COVID so you when they're out of
2: school. Well, the Christmas break showed, I remember at a briefing in the Christmas break, I noticed for the first time there were a number of school-aged children in the ICU for the first time ever. And it was post-Christmas break, and I asked Dr. Henry at a briefing about this. She says, yes, those were kids who actually got sick and contracted the virus outside of school after schools were closed for the Christmas break. Now, she maintains some... This is very controversial, uh, and you just have to go online to see the the pushback from parents and teachers that yeah. there's relatively very low transmission within schools. Uh, it's people getting the virus in, out in the community and then uh, potentially being exposed in school but not transmitting in schools. Now, she was asked several times about this yesterday, adamant she's not going to uh, close the schools, but this is a hot-button issue. Interesting that Ms. Um, Senghara from Surrey, uh, Bonnie Henry pointed out, About 9,000, 10,000 education workers in Surrey have been vaccinated. So Surrey's actually probably going to emerge as one of the safest places, even though it's been the hot spot uh, for schools for for some time. Now that teachers there got vaccinated ahead of any other community, it's going to be interesting to see what the impact of that is.
1: Okay. If, if the cases continue to go up, if we continue to have a thousand cases or more a day, could there be increased pressure to shut the schools down? We were late in the school year. I mean, a lot of parents would say, well, you know, maybe just, why don't we just cut our losses right now? End the school year and hopefully they come back in the fall and this whole nightmare or, is over
2: or close them now and come back in the summer. Someone has well, floated yeah. that. I finished the yeah. school year in the summer months. Uh, you and I have since we started this at the beginning of the pandemic, this program, we've always said never, nothing's ever off the table. Nothing's yeah. ever etched in stone. So it's always possible the schools could close. But right now, all signs are pointing to no uh, from Dr. Henry. She's pretty adamant about that. But as I say, at the beginning, she was anti-mask. Now it's very much part of the protocol.
1: Well, you also heard her make the point about the mental health of kids yeah, when they a big thing are time. not in school, yeah. if they're isolated at home. And I've talked to lots of parents who have concerns about that when their kids are at home, separated from their peers, not in school, not getting a proper education, that this hasn't impacted... A measurable impact on kids, too.
2: Yeah, and that's been a big part of public health protocols since day one. Mental health is cannot be discounted as how important it is, particularly in a family unit. And that's another big reason why schools are going to remain open. I, I mean, also, we're not seeing a spike in cases of school-age ki- kids getting the uh, the virus. Where there is a concern, I assume, I, I've never seen any breakdown on this, but teachers are, are in their 30s and in their 40s. And now if we're seeing a, a, a significant increase of people in that age demographic going into ICUs, uh,
1: they obviously have a right to be concerned. Okay. You mentioned if you go online, you can, hear lo- you can read lots of pushback and criticism criticism of Bonnie Henry for a lot of the decisions that she has made and that sort of volume seems to be increasing uh, as we get deeper into this and the numbers continue to go up and one of the things people are asking for is more clear data uh, on young people for example mm-hmm. and uh, and contracting the virus and here she is uh, answering a question in the news conference yesterday when reporters asked why can't we have more data uh, reflecting the surge of cases in young people here's what she had to say.
0: I'm not sure what you want to be honest um the 207 people, I don't have the age breakdown in front of me, uh, but we know that the average age is younger. The average age of hospitalization is still in the, in the 60s, um, but we are seeing increasing numbers of younger people as well.
1: Okay, what do you think of the transparency of officials here throughout this thing? I remember talking to Adrian Dix at the very start of this, and I remember him saying to me that, one of the crucial elements of this is complete transparency and honesty with the public. You can't so it's, hide stuff from the it's,
2: public. It's evolving. If you go to the Center for Disease Control website... And click on what's called the situation report, which is the weekly update, much more detailed of what's going on in terms of data. Go back to the very first situation reports and look at the ones today. They are just com- two completely different sets of reports in terms of data. So there's way more. Imp- there's been significant improvement in data. At the beginning, we didn't. They didn't identify communities in terms of who had uh, COVID nineteen. Now there's a weekly update. How many cases are in Surrey? How many cases are in, in parts of Vancouver, Burnaby? It's all broken down. Uh, that wasn't the case before. The issue now, though, is why this question came up yesterday, is weekly updates right now, given that we're getting a 1,000 cases a day, hospitalizations are starting to increase significantly, and now there's concerns about young people in ICUs. A weekly update, which is in itself is old because it's based on the previous week's statistics, really doesn't capture what's going on right now. And that's why there's a call to have more immediacy in terms of reporting exactly what's going on. And as I say, my understanding is tomorrow we're going to get that from Hmm. Dr. Bonnie Henry. We're going to get more detail of the age of people in hospital uh, on on a more timely basis because I say a week or two lag right now
1: is really misleading. Welcome back. Keith Baldry is my guest. Let's go right to your phone calls here. 604-280-9898 is the number to call. Star 9898 on your cell. Joel in Vancouver. Hi.
2: Hi there. Um, Yeah, thanks for taking my call. I'd just like to point out that in BC, the population roughly 5 million or so. And you take the fact that we only have 100 people right now, and it's been pretty stable in ICU. That does not seem like an alarming figure and rather than locking down and coming up with very hurtful policies that affect the public for more than a year now it doesn't it doesn't make sense that why aren't we expanding healthcare capacity why is only 100 people in the hospital enough to just absolutely go haywire there might be younger people catching it that's normal because older
1: people are getting vaccinated and have already either been sheltered or you know uh they're, they're fine Basically, younger people are going to get it,
2: but they're not dying from it. So that's my only point I'd like to make.
1: Okay, thank you for the call. What do you think of that? Kim?
2: Well, first of all, because older people get vaccinated, it does not mean suddenly that's going to force young people or, or just lead
1: to young people getting no, sick. No, but that's they have a really higher works. proportion of young people in hospital because older people are less likely to that's get right.
2: sick. And what we're seeing, the concern is, uh, and the caller's right, 100 people in ICU is not overwhelming. We're not overwhelming the system. Well, and even
1: Adrian Dick said he's not worried about the system being yeah. overwhelmed.
2: Not yet. What were the concerns? Remember the beginning, we canceled all the surgeries? Yeah. at a time when we had no COVID. Yeah, And that was a concern that we could get into that position yeah. very quickly. So the concern now is we could be in a position very quickly, which is what they're worried about in Ontario. And again, we're not near where Ontario is, which I don't think you're going to see stay-at-home orders in BC, for example.
1: I mean, our numbers do not support that type of so-called Are the Ontario count. numbers like vastly uh, yeah. higher than BC per capita?
2: Well, not so much on per capita, but in terms of, of availability. Hot zones, too. And, and availability of beds. Yeah. You know, just because a province has three times the population doesn't mean they have three times the beds. That's not how healthcare systems work. So that's the concern on Ontario, that they could get uh, to a very troubling spot, in, certainly in certain areas, not every ICU across the province, but certain ICUs could get overwhelmed.
1: Okay, Alex on the line in Port Moody. Hi, Alex.
2: Hello, guys. Uh, quick point I wanted to make was, uh, as Bonnie Henry said yesterday and you guys mentioned earlier, You know, the strains are basically uh, leading to younger people, 30 to 50, ending up in the ICU, yet we're still vaccinating 70 and above. And we have all these unused vaccines on the shelf. Let's get these vaccines into people's arms before we start closing businesses in Penticton where they've had one case in a week. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Let's get the shots in people's arms. At the end of the day, there should be no vaccines left. You okay, I was thinking. Yeah.
1: Thank, thank you for the call.
2: Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Um, the vaccine rollout has sort of been hit and miss sometimes. Sometimes we've almost run out of vaccines. Uh, sometimes we have a, a sort of a, 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 you know, 188,000 AstraZeneca suddenly arrives all at once. You're not going to distribute that all in an hour. It takes some time to set up the appointment system, which is why not everything is getting vaccinated.
1: Well, is it true uh, that the there's a stockpile of vaccines sitting, sitting around? Well, you, you'd get that impression
2: from the CDC uh, dashboard. That there's X number, I think, you know, X number, I think 1.3 million distributed and 900,000 administered. So that leaves the impression, I'll be talking to Health Minister Adrian Dix about this later to get some clarification. I don't, we always keep some back for reserve for emergency situations. And this is what you've seen, these uh, these outbreaks um, where these sort of flying uh, vaccine squads going to Prince Rupert, Whistler, uh, workplaces and and quickly vaccinate the, the all the population in that particular outbreak, and that's why some vaccines are held back for that. I don't think we've got that much sitting in the fridge. Though.
1: Okay, I mean, could we get the vaccines out quicker though? Like, I think I saw a number yesterday. There were twenty thousand vaccines. Yeah, it wasn't a high number yesterday. And uh, I was thinking, like, why is it only twenty thousand? That was for that was the Easter Monday. So uh. we've
2: seen holidays have a lower vaccination rate. We hit forty-one thousand people on Thursday, which shows uh. that we can actually administer forty-one thousand doses hopefully we hit those numbers going forward
1: okay barbara in cloverdale hi barbara
0: hi good morning thanks for hi. taking my call
1: sure
0: um i mean we're all so super tired of everything yeah. i think I'm, I'm i'm tired of you know the teachers asking for a uh, teachers union asking for xyz they get part of that then that's not enough now they want something else um i just think we're band-aiding things right now the people that are the offenders that are still going out and socializing and not staying in a bubble, are always going to do that period. So can't we just lock it down for two weeks? I don't want my kid coming home. He's already put on 25 pounds in a year. He's depressed. He's 13. He can't do sports. Do you know what I mean? Like, unless yeah. you shut me down at work, I don't want my kid at home by himself anymore right? Like shut everything mm-hmm.
1: down. Thank you, Barbara, for the call. Well, Make it's sure. interesting.
2: I'm, she mentions people aren't following the rules. I'm not sure shutting things like the proverbial lockdown, however you want to define it, is going to deter those who are breaking the rules anyways. Uh, it's, you can shut it down. These are not criminal code offenses. Uh, there are fines, but as you and I have talked about before, the fines don't seem to be much of a uh, uh, sort of a weapon to use against people. They're not paying their fines. So locking things down, I don't think, is necessarily going to automatically lead to a huge shift in, in human behavior. But okay.
1: Probably a bit. The pressure, we could hear more calls for it Oh, going I think forward. as this
2: keeps going, like I say, don't take anything off the table. More restrictions could be coming.